Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist. Founder of DrBarryPierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we bring you an amazing topic as well as an amazing guest, Dr. Frida Fisher, who is a board certified and, and let me not shortchange it, right? She is a triple board certified nephrologist, as well as certified in internal medicine and pediatrics. Just an amazing, uh, you know, uh, amazing accomplishment in and of itself. And I could, I should just stop there and be okay. But she's also the host of a famous popular uh, YouTube channel with Dr. Frida. Um, she's a medical expert. She's the founder of Midtown Atlanta Nephrology, as well as serves on the board of the National Kidney Foundation in Atlanta. And she has had multiple TV appearances on HLN Weekend Express, BNC, Paternity Court, Sister Circle Live, Good Day Atlanta, and Eleven Live News NBC. Again, again, just uh, again, we're you know just kind of dust dust the dirt off her shoulders, right? Just an amazing person, and. We are going to be talking about the kidneys today, right? This is National Kidney Month, right? This is the month where we should be celebrating and highlighting and focusing on the kidney. And she's definitely going to make it a point and drive home the fact that we should be talking about the kidneys every single month, not just in the month of March. So I can't wait for you to listen to this amazing episode. Like always, remember what to do. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how we're doing uh, on the podcast, especially if you love uh, what you hear from her. Definitely, you know, leave us a comment. Um, you guys have been doing an excellent job. Like I actually ended up checking uh, this past couple of weeks. You guys are doing an excellent job leaving us the five-star ratings, uh, but you guys aren't dropping a comment. So make sure when you hit us with those five stars, make sure you hit us with some comments as well too man i would greatly appreciate that so uh let's get ready for another amazing episode make sure to tell 10 friends uh, about the kidney and dr frida and how she's gonna just knock this out of the park yeah and i'm I'm foreshadowing you i've already recorded it i'm foreshadowing the episode just so you guys are pumped and prime and ready uh to get energized as well as educated on the lunch learning with dr barry Today's episode is sponsored by the inaugural Autism and Black Virtual Conference. It is from April 1st to the 4th. It is a virtual conference going to be hosted by Maria Davis-Pierre, who is the CEO of Autism and Black. Get ready to join over 15 esteemed guest speakers who are going to help empower us. Guys, you know you know, you know, know my motto, Empower Yourself for Better Health, who are going to help empower us to help serve our communities and our families who have the blessed opportunity to work with those in the autism space. General admission tickets are $99 and VIP tickets are $247. Go ahead and check out the link, which will be in the show notes, or go to drbarrypierre.com forward slash AIB conference for more information. All right, Lunch and Learn community, just heard another amazing introduction on a topic that, you know, again, I, I've touched on uh, briefly, right? But like anytime I get a chance to get 
a, a specialist in their field who like, this is their bread and butter. Um, I like to just kind of sit back and right, let them do their thing. Uh, so uh, first and foremost, again, uh, Frida, thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, and, you know, like I said, we're, we're ready to learn about the kidney. Obviously, this is an important month to be learning about the kidney. Uh, and just, again, thank you for taking the time to uh, join us and help us out on that. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk about the kidneys. I love it. I love it. So uh, before, you know, before we get to kind of the nitty gritty meat potatoes of why we're uh, here today, um, give the audience, right, because I, I got a lot of people, right, they like to, they, they, they like to skip the intro. I'm not sure why. They always like, I don't know, they like this, don't like hearing my voice. They like to skip the intro and get right to kind of the main episode. So they might not have heard your amazing biography, which is like absolutely astonishing right like i said I'm, i think that's one thing i, I love bringing guests like I, I almost like fan out uh just to see the amazing things that people are kind of doing really here in, in the spanish sphere like social media and healthcare and whatnot so i'm always a, a geeky fan from that standpoint but uh, for those who may have skipped over the intro just give them a little quick introduction about yourself who you are what you do on a day-to-day basis right and then like i said we'll, we'll jump right in and talk about the kidneys all right well i'm dr frida I'm Dr. Frida McCray-Fisher. I am a medical doctor who has been triple board certified in nephrology, the study of kidneys, as well as internal medicine and pediatrics. So I like to talk about a lot of medical issues. I did my medical school at Meharry Medical College, where I was Miss Meharry Medical College, which gave me a chance to do a lot of talking and being the public relations liaison. And now I am the founder of my practice, Midtown Atlanta Nephrology where I also am a medical director for a nonprofit dialysis unit, which we will definitely get into the talk about dialysis and transplant today. The other things I like to do outside of just the run of the mill. I don't want y'all to like brush that over. Like this, this is a phenomenal, like, again, I'm an internist, right? So when I'm, I'm here and you hear triple boarded, you already should be like, like, woo. Like, like who got to who who got to come talk to us? Like so, definitely don't don't brush that by. This is an amazing, uh, you know, feed and you know, especially just in the general career field. So again, let me let me not fan out. Go, I apologize, apologize for interrupting. No, but but thank you. But yeah, so that's that's what I do as far as the the day job. But my exciting venture now is my YouTube channel where I get a chance to talk about the internal medicine topics, the pediatrics topics, mental health, definitely nephrology, COVID everything on my YouTube channel, Dr. Dot Frida. So these are the things I have going on right now. Ooh, I love it. So Dr. Frida, obviously we're in the, whenever, you know, especially for my, 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 my quick listeners, right. Month of March. Right. And uh, for some reason, the month of March is all about the kidneys. So of course the question I know I'm going to get, yeah, Hey, Dr. Barry, like, like why are like the kidneys so important? Like why should I, why should they get like a whole month kind of dedicated for us recognizing uh, our, our kidneys? The kidneys need a month. They need more than a month. And let me tell you, I have a bone to pick because I bet if I asked every one of your listeners, Hey, when is heart month or have you heard of the heart walk? They'd mm. say yes. If mm. I say, Hey, do you know what breast cancer month is? Do you know what color we wear in breast cancer month? They'd say yes. But a lot of people don't even know about the kidneys. But yes, March is kidney disease awareness month. The color is orange. In some cases, the color is green. And this is why people need to know about the kidneys. Over 37 million Americans have kidney disease, and many of them don't even know it. 33% of Americans are at risk. And here's the kicker. The top two causes of kidney disease are diabetes, number one, and high blood pressure, number two. So these are diseases which are 
preventable in many cases and most certainly manageable. So when I walk into my dialysis unit, most of the people who are there, it could have been prevented. And that's why I like to talk about kidney disease, to talk about the prevention and the treatment, should you have it. And, and that's such a, really the figure in and of itself, 37 million is, is, is like crazy. But like, like what you hinted at is the fact that a lot of that 37 million could have possibly been prevented, right? Like that, I think that's more as an internist, uh, more of a gut punch to me. Like, cause again, this is something that we could have just done some type of intervention. You know, we wouldn't have 37 million people really being affected uh, by a disease that's, uh, you know, affecting a lot of people out here. That's right. That's right. And really, as a nephrologist, as a kidney doctor, I depend on internists, family doctors, which is why I sometimes do lectures like at family practice conventions to talk about ways that the gatekeepers, the primary care doctors can help prevent. Because when we think about those numbers, like everyone who goes to the lab, they get those numbers and they'll see creatinine or they'll see EGFR, which are two very important indicators of your kidney function. A lot of times, even the primary doctors will see a creatinine of, you know, 1.3, 1.6, and they say, ah, that's okay. But it's that EGFR number. So for everyone listening, I want them to go grab their last lab report and look and see what that EGFR is, the estimated glomerular filtration rate. If it is less than 60, and you'll see EGFR non-African-American, EGFR African-American. But if it is less than 60. I, I just thought of a, oh, I, all right, go ahead. I just thought of a follow-up question on that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but, but if you see that it's abnormal, even if your doctor hasn't mentioned it, ask the doctor. Say, hey, you know, Dr. Frieda said this means I might have kidney disease or be at risk. So everyone needs to empower themselves and be their own advocate. Creatinine, EGFR, look and see if those are abnormal on your lab work. Now, before before we get into nitty gritty on like what the kidney actually does, like like I, I'm I'm part of the um, health equity and inclusion committee for uh, American College of Internists, awesome. and you know some of some of our concerns, right, is the fact that you know this GFR is different based on race, mm-hmm. right? And I, I mean, this is probably a caveat. I don't you know I don't want to throw you into, but like I definitely want to put you on the spot. But like it's definitely like I guess our argument, right? is like it shouldn't right like our argument is like you know why and we talk about kind of race-based modifiers in of itself but like the kidney one that gfr is one that definitely kind of props up and, right. and i remember seeing this meme uh that talked about um a certain percentage of african-american um, patients aren't even eligible to get on the transplant list or they don't get on it in time because of kind of these these different you know, GFR markers there, right? Like, and of course, obviously you, you being in the field that you're in, um, you know, what do you think about that? Like, it's just far as just kind of having these kind of these race-based modifiers in and of itself. And like I said, Melissa, like, I mean, I promise we're going to get into the, the function of the kidney, but like she mentioned that and I like, ooh, because like, I already know, I already got some listeners, especially um, uh, part members of ACL, they were like, why didn't Barry ask about the GFR? Like, Look, I'm glad you asked for that. So we already know that with health equity, there are slick ways to try to discriminate or widen the gap or cause health care disparities. And I've seen some of those memes. And the scary thing is that with some of these memes, there's just enough truth in it to make it totally believable. But just in taking you back to the GFR and why it's different for African-Americans and Caucasians. And it started with the MDRD study where we know that creatinine, which is what they use to calculate the EGFR, is a waste product of muscle. 
So the more muscle you have, the more muscle mass you have, the higher your creatinine will be. And so in studying thousands and thousands of people, it was found that for African-Americans, an African-American who is the same age, the same height, the same size as a non-African-American, if they have the same creatinine, but then you go do a more specialized test, like a 24-hour urine creatinine clearance, which will give you a more specific, a more accurate kidney function, they found that the African-American with the same exact GFR as a non-African-American actually had a better kidney function. And so in this case, there were times when African-Americans with still pretty good kidney function were being put on dialysis prematurely. Case in point, I had a bodybuilder, young in his 30s, super muscular, and he was referred to me by his internist because based on his creatinine, he was in kidney failure. And so I did the more accurate, the more specific test, more time consuming, the 24 hour urine for creatinine clearance. And his kidney function was actually totally normal, totally normal. And so there are some nuances, but I guess the tricky thing is that how many people who've been in America for generations are at this point, purely, purely African blood, purely African descent. There's mm. so many other cultures. So then that can make you ask. Touching on it, touching on it. Right. Mm. So if, if, if you're a biracial person or if your your mom is biracial or if you have all if you have, you know, white in you, if you have um, Italian, if you have German yet you have. Is it the one drop rule? Do you declare yourself, you know, the EGFR based on African-American or could you really have more wow. non-black blood? And then do you go? So it does get a little tricky. Well, I, didn't, I didn't even see you going deep because I didn't even. Oh, let hmm. me come up. Let me come up. Ooh, I didn't but, even but, think about that. OK, here's Ooh. the good thing. If you look, the discrepancy is not so huge that it should make a large difference. Like we're not talking about um, someone with who's African-American versus non-African-American. If you look on those tests, you're not talking like a 10 point difference that's going to keep you off the transplant list. There are a lot of things keeping African-Americans from getting transplants, but the EGFR in and of itself is not the prime factor. The prime factor is education and not many African-Americans volunteer to be kidney donors, largely because of the distrust in the medical system, which is a whole other very mm. real issue. I know. That's, that's what I said. I didn't, that's why I didn't want to, I like, oh, yeah. this, could, this could go... A whole whole different conversation, but ah, oh, thank thank you for that. Thank you, like like I said, uh, lunch of the community. You know when I when I especially when I bring the guests on here, I learn just as much um as you guys do. So uh, definitely thank you for for like that little education. And now like again, I, my, my wheels are kind of churning because like wow, I didn't even think about like mixed race, you know, individual. Right. Like as you know, that because that makes clearly that makes a difference, right? Like the makes a difference. The, 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 of the, the foolish who look, you know chocolate and and you have you know good old strong kinky hair we think that we're so super black but guess what if you've done that that dna 23 sometimes you find that you're not you know exactly as Mm. pure super black as you think you are so really does that egfr apply to you so yeah that's a whole nother (laughs) nother okay all right oh no (laughs) thank you no thank you appreciate that oh Okay, I love it. I love that. And that's good because like now I know they're not gonna be like, why didn't you ask about? Because I already, because I already, once you said that, I was like, oh, they already know they're gonna kill me if I don't ask. All right. So, <laughs> um, so what do the kidneys do? Right? Like, yeah, okay, they get a mutt, right? But like, like what's 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 a normal function of the kidney? Like, why? Like, like why should I care? Let me tell you about the kidneys. They are so fantastic. So I think most of us think, okay, kidneys they help me make urine. I'm making good urine. Who cares? But the kidneys do so much more than that. 
So we each have two kidneys, or you know, most of us are born with two kidneys, and they're down in your, your lower back in the flank where the love handles are. And so we have that good old uh, back fat, that lo- those love handles, those are there to protect your kidneys. Each kidney is about nine to 11 centimeters, and they're literally shaped like kidney beans. And they filter out excess fluid from the body. They filter out toxins. They help to equalize or normalize electrolytes, salt balance. And so they do those things. If your kidneys are not functioning well, then when it gets to a late stage, that means you may not be filtering out or getting rid of excess water. So what does that mean? You might get a buildup of fluid in your ankles and your feet and your legs. You might get fluid in the lungs, be short of breath. So that could be certainly, those are symptoms of kidney failure. Or if you're not filtering out things properly, you may build up certain electrolytes like potassium and Normally, your your kidneys will get rid of potassium, but if they're not working and you have excess potassium, that can be real dangerous because it can lead to heart arrhythmias. A lot of people don't know that one of the lethal injections that are given to people on death penalty, not to be morbid, is potassium, potassium chloride. So you definitely don't want a buildup of potassium, which can happen in kidney failure. So these are the basic things that we know that kidneys do, but ooh, the kidneys are so much more than that because they actually <laughs> help to regulate anemia. The kidneys make this hormone erythropoietin or EPO, and it helps your bone marrow to make red blood cells. And we need our red blood cells. We need that good blood because your red blood cells act like the cars that carry around your oxygen. And so if your kidneys don't work well and you're not making that erythropoietin, then you can be anemic due to kidney disease. A lot of folks don't know that. Also, your bones, your, your, your bone metabolism, your bone health can be related to the kidneys. Your kidneys help to activate your vitamin D, which helps you to absorb your calcium and have those good, strong bones. So if your kidneys don't work well, you could end up with bone disease. And, and there's much more. I could, I could literally just sit here and talk to you about the wonderful kidneys all day, but we only have a month. So I guess I'll let me slip in my embarrassing story. I remember as a medical student, um, and, you know, first time, first time on the wards and I was talking to this patient on dialysis and I remember asking him like, oh, well, you know, how, you know, how much you urinate. Right. And they were like, I don't. And being in like almost like the state of shock, I was like, like, hold on. Like, what do you mean? Like, you don't urinate. They're like, no, I don't. I don't urinate. And that was one of the, like my first like introductions. Like, oh, my God, these these kidneys like really play serious because it just didn't even I didn't even think about the fact that if your kidneys don't work you're not going to make urine like it just for some reason as a medical student it didn't click uh for me uh and I, I I still remember that like to this day every time I take care of a dialysis patient I'm like like, do you make any urine? Like, and now that's my question versus like how much urine did it make? Because like, I, it, it just, I didn't put one and one together that like, you know, the kidneys aren't working. You shouldn't, you know, expect to see urine. Like, it's just, just one of those crazy, uh, you know, functions that I think we take for granted, right? Exactly. Like we just we just take for granted that, you know, if your kidneys work, you're going to go to the back. But like, we just t- take for granted for it and until we take care of patients who kidneys don't work. Right. And then a lot of the things that you mentioned, you know, are right up the alley. Um, I take care of a lot of patients in the hospital that we run into issues, even dealing with their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's a primary result is the fact that the kidneys aren't functioning. So, um, a- again, yes, uh, the kidneys deserve a month. And I definitely agree. They probably deserve more <laughs> than a month. 
especially to kind of if we, we could focus on one function of the kidneys uh, every single month. And like, I think that's how important it is, especially to our whole ecosystem of our body. I know everyone's trying to, you know, empower themselves, be, you know, fruitfully healthy. And but understand if your kidneys aren't functioning, you know, kind of problems, problems will arise for sure. Right. And, and Dr. Bear, you brought up a good point with that urine because you're right. Most of us look at using the restroom or urinating as being kind of an inconvenience. But if you do not urinate, that fluid will build up in your lungs. You can't breathe. And for our patients who actually have gotten that beautiful gift of a kidney transplant, usually the first thing they'll say to me is, Doc, I have to use the restroom because they haven't urinated in years. And so they're excited. Like they are wow. running the restroom. I love and it. That makes you not take it for granted. But there's a point I want to make sure for all of your listeners, just because you're making good urine, that doesn't mean that your kidneys are functioning well. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's really key to go to your doctor, go to your internist and still look at that lab work and ask about the kidney function, because here's what can happen. You can be with the kidneys having so much function, you can be putting out good urine, getting rid of good water but not getting rid of the toxins. So if you think about spaghetti, like you boil spaghetti in water and then you pour it out in the strainer. So all of the water leaves, but if you think about the spaghetti as a toxin, if the kidneys aren't working well, then those toxins could still be in your body mm. and you still have chronic kidney disease and not know it. So if you're sitting and you're listening and you're like, oh, child, I make good urine. I know nothing's wrong with me. Mm. Still do your due diligence, see your doctor and ask, be proactive. Hey, how are my kidneys? Because I'll tell you, kidney disease disproportionately affects Blacks, Latinos, and with all of the health disparities, a lot of times it's not brought up. I've had to talk to my family members, and I got a big old family. My mama's one of 16 kids, and I'll be like, ah, let me hear your labs. What are your labs? And I'll be like, oh, my gosh, you know, you have CKD3, chronic kidney disease stage three. There are only five stages. And they'll be like, my doctor didn't say anything. So then when they bring it up, okay, now you're referred to the nephrologist. Now medications are changed. Now there can be some reversal, you know, or they can slow down the progression, but you have to be your own advocate and speak up for yourself, educate your friends, educate your family members, because unfortunately everyone is not in a position where they'll have a good internist like you, Dr. Barry. Sometimes, you know, and you know, as physicians, they have us on the clock or you kind of have to see so many patients at a certain time. And Sometimes you're forced to rush a little bit. So that's why I want patients to take it in their hands to advocate themselves and to ad advocate for themselves and to understand, ask about these kidneys and not just in the month of March. I love it. Now, and a question I always, I always ask my specialists this question, because um, obviously I'm looking, you know, I've said that the primary folks, the GP folks, um, do you feel that the education on the, from the physician standpoint is adequate? And the reason why I ask that is that, do you do you tend to get consults a little bit later than you would have liked, right? Like, would you have wished that that internist or that family doc or even the patient like would have sent that that patient in there maybe like three to six months earlier than they did? Like, do like do do you feel like maybe there's like a some delay in logjam that happens there, especially from a referral standpoint? Absolutely, absolutely. There's a delay, and I remember when I first opened my practice, and I would send out letters or go and say, "Hey, everybody, you know, I'm Dr. Frida. I have a new kidney practice." Part of my literature was gently suggesting or telling primary care doctors when a good time to refer a patient is, and a lot of we had really good conversations because a lot of them were 
holding on to patients until their creatinine was two. And just for your listeners, the big ballpark for creatinine. So that's the, the blood marker for the kidney function. And the lower the creatinine, the better. We know that if your body is getting rid of creatinine, then it's getting rid of other toxins, other poisons. So if the kidneys are getting rid of creatinine and creatinine is low, then yes, the kidneys work well. If the creatinine is high, the kidneys aren't getting rid of it and they're not getting rid of other toxins. So that's our marker. And I know we generally say around 1.0 or less is normal for creatinine. And then for people who are an outright kidney failure who need dialysis or a transplant, their creatinines tend to be 5.0 or less. So with that, I found that a lot of internists, family docs, OBGYNs, if the creatinine was one point anything, they wouldn't be worried about it. And so they might refer someone when the creatinine was 2.0. Well, I already said that, you know, the more muscle mass you have, your creatinine can be high. But if you are a 70-year-old lady who weighs 100 pounds, a creatinine of 1.5 might be kidney failure for you. And so... Yes, a lot of them do late referrals looking at the creatinine, but it's that EGFR that will help make a more timely, more uh, appropriate referral. So it takes it's, it's our responsibility also as specialists to educate our front line, the people who are going to help us to help patients. Yeah. Now, now, now we talked about, you know, the fact that 37 million right now are affected with chronic kidney disease. We we kind of mentioned some of the kind of racial kind of factors that play a factor in a lot of people getting chronic kidney disease. But what are some other risk factors that, you know, patients should, you know, really kind of keep an eye on to say like, hey, if I have this or if I have this, like I should really be thinking, um, you know, or should be concerned, right, you know, that my kidneys may become an issue. I'm glad you asked that, Dr. Barry. So yes, so I mentioned that the top two causes are diabetes and high blood pressure. And I do want to just go back and emphasize those one more time because we know, especially that diabetes and high blood pressure run high in the Black community, in communities with people of color. And these, we also know, are silent killers. How many people have you heard say, yeah, my sugar is high, but that's normal for me? No, it's not. Even if your body has compensated and you're used to dealing with high sugar, it's still damaging your blood vessels, those vessels in your brain, the vessels in your heart, and yes, mm. the vessels in your kidneys. It's the reason that you can get poor circulation and have amputation. So high sugar is not normal for you, even if your body has compensated. Same thing with high blood pressure. How many patients have I met? They come in the office, the blood pressure is high. You know, and we know that the definition of high blood pressure literally changed in 2017. And so now if that top number, the systolic is 130 or higher, or if that bottom number, the diastolic is 90 or higher, if it's persistently that, then you have high blood pressure. But I would have people, blood pressure, 170s, over 100, no symptoms whatsoever. And so they let me know that, oh, doc, yeah, yeah, that blood pressure is normal for me. No, it's not. Even though your body has compensated and you have no symptoms, keep that blood pressure if you want to, and you'll end up in the dialysis unit. Um, and so people need to understand that sometimes when they are treated and their blood sugar is changing and their, their high blood pressure is getting better, they might feel sick at a blood pressure that's still a little high. That's because it takes the body time to adjust. And so folks need to know when your doctor gives you the blood pressure medicine and as your blood pressure drops, you might feel lightheaded or sick. It might be like that for a few weeks and you unfortunately have to tough it out in order to get to normal blood pressure. But I don't want people to be lulled into the confusion of thinking that high sugar or high blood pressure is normal for them because it's not, and it will lead you to kidney failure if it's not taken care of. But as far as other things, other than just those two diseases, lupus, 
Lupus, another disease which disproportionately affects Blacks and people of color, lupus can lead to kidney failure, systemic lupus erythematosus, and that's one of those autoimmune disease. So the same way if you have an autobiography, it's a book written about yourself, an autoimmune disease is when the antibodies, instead of fighting the bacteria and the viruses, they turn on you, autoantibodies, and they attack your body, and they can attack your kidneys as far and, and other things as well. And, you know, we have some celebrities like Selena Gomez, who has lupus, and she has been living with kidney failure and actually had a transplant, had a transplant. And, you know, to my knowledge, she's doing very well. So lupus is another thing. If you have that, you can be at risk. And then sarcoidosis, that's one of those illnesses. It's not talked about too much, but you recall Bernie Mac. Oh, he was hilarious. He had sarcoidosis. And that's something that can even affect the kidneys as well. And then there's certain medications. There's certain medications. And so if you're a person and you've paid attention and you're an advocate for yourself and you see that your EGFR is abnormal or less than 60, you know, or you have CKD, chronic kidney disease, then certain medications that are okay for other people to take, you might not be able to take or not be able to take as much. Case in point, the NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So I'm talking about Advil, ibuprofen, Aleve, naproxen. Now, these are great medicines, you know, anti-inflammatory medicines, but if your kidneys are vulnerable and you're popping these medicines and goodie powders and other things like that, especially if you're not hydrated well, right? It could lead to kidney failure. I've had to put patients on dialysis because they've taken too many of these certain pain medicines. So as you ask questions about yourself and advocate for yourself and listen to Dr. Barry's Lunch and Learn, these pearls, and I'm so happy that you're doing this platform, by the way, because you, I guarantee you, you are saving lives because a lot of doctors don't sit and have these conversations, you know, with their patients face to face. So this is good. And it's, it, what's well, so interesting, especially, and I, I love that you, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned a lot of the over-counter stuff, right? I think sometimes we definitely have this thought process that because it's over-the-counter, it's super safe, right? Like there's no issues that can occur. But you hit it right on the head. These anti-inflammatories, these NSAIDs, these goodie powders, uh, taking in ridiculous amounts can also cause problems that we really should definitely be mindful of. Um, you know, if, again, we you know we we only got two of them, right? Majority, right. we only have two of them, right? So we got to protect them. Got to protect them. And then, and with the NSAIDs that we're talking about, and, and talking about diseases that put you at risk for patients who have real bad arthritis or chronic pain. They might not find that to be a direct link to kidney failure, but for the patients I've had to put on dialysis because they take too many of these NSAIDs or certain pain medicines, it's because they really are in chronic pain. And so they're taking these medicines, not like they're trying to abuse pain medicines, but because they hurt. But being a person with chronic pain, that could put you at risk for kidney disease. And there's there's one more I wanted to mention too, FSG, focal segmental glomerulosclerosis, which is a a mouthful. (laughs) FSG, but yes, you know, we we know that that's the most common glomerulonephritis or inflammation of the kidney disease in black people. And for those folks who remember the basketball player Alonzo Mourning, he has FSG, was able to get a transplant. And then, you know, Gary Coleman, I don't know who I was listening, who used to watch that show. Hey, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I used to love me some Gary Coleman, but he had FSG as well. He's no longer with us, unfortunately. But it's it's really a, a common disease that you don't hear talked about too much. Um, And I say that to say that even if you don't have any of the diseases that we're talking about, lupus, diabetes, that's the importance in seeing your internist, seeing your primary care doctor, because when they do those screening urines, you know, for protein or the blood pressure may be a little up, 
please do not let your doctors overlook that. If they say, oh yeah, you know, you got some protein in your urine or your blood pressure is a little high, you know, especially if you're a young person mm-hmm. or you don't really understand like, why would I have protein in my urine? Pursue it because you might have one of those genetic diseases like FSG or even polycystic kidney disease, which oh, yeah. runs in families. Talk to your family members, find out who all went on the dialysis machine, find out who has kidney disease so you can know what you need to look out for, for yourself. Cause I find that's another I thing. That. I love that aspect too. Talk to you. Like I'll be some, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure you know too, but I'm always surprised about the amount of people who don't talk with their family members about different, like, hey, hey, like, do you got blood pressure? Do you like it's like I'm always surprised how many people don't really know like the medical related history within their family. Right, but but if you think about it, it's really kind of a cultural thing. I'm talking about the black culture now, mm-hmm. like a thing of pride. You know, what happens in this house stays in this house. So don't be out of telling our business. You know what I mean? There's this kind of out of respect. I'm not going to cross the boundary of getting in her business. But it's not about getting in your family member's business. It's about the health of the entire family and of generations to come. I have had patients, and I'll just mention one, in his 20s. Oh, he's a beautiful patient. I love him to death. In his 20s, by the time I met him, he was already in kidney failure. He was already in CKD stage five, the last stage, needed dialysis. And he was in shock because he's in his 20s. And a lot of folks don't go to the doctor by the time you're in your 20s, you're invincible. Yep. But when he started talking to his family, he learned that his brother, who had passed away at a young age, had the same illness that he has, FSG. Now, imagine had the family talked about it because the brother, the deceased brother's widow said, oh, what do you have? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what your brother died from. Mm-hmm. But they did talk about it. You know, they stayed out of each other's business. But had he known that that ran in his family, then just imagine at the age of 18, instead of him just kind of scooting around life and, and being young, he might have gone to the doctor and started understanding what was going on and taking those steps to slow the progression of the kidney disease or to even get on the transplant list at a really early time. So he never even perhaps would have needed dialysis. He would have had a preemptive transplant, a transplant before going on dialysis. But yeah, we got to talk to each other. We, we, we got to really, in order to help ourselves, in order to get over these healthcare disparities, we have to stop all of these secrets. These secrets make us sick in the Black community specifically. Oh, that's a quote. That is a, oh, I love that. All right, that's, I'm going we'll to make sure we get that quote put up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make sure that quote goes like, oh, we got to, I'm putting a mental note now. Like, all right, make sure we, <laughs> so we we have the risk factors, right? We know how important the kidney function is. Um, and so now we're at the part where your 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 patient's like, all right, well, I, I'm I'm educating myself, I know what I need to do, right? Like what can I do to treat it, right? Because that's always that's a question, you know, I get all the time. What can I do to treat it? And a lot of times I'm like, uh, I gotta change it to a nephrologist because I don't know. Like that's 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 usually when I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me go change it to the specialist because this is what they do. So, like, what are some of the options, right? When they when you get to that point, right? When you're having chronic stage three, right. so like, what are some of your options there for? So here's the tricky thing: that for a lot of the CKD, the chronic kidney disease, there's no specific pill, no specific treatment, mm-hmm. but rather there are adjustments to be made in lifestyle and in medications to make sure that you don't further offend the kidneys. So I know we keep saying CKD, CKD, and of course there are five stages. And, you know, on my YouTube channel, Dr. Dot Frieda, I have a video specifically on CKD stages for people who want to educate themselves more specifically on what they mean. But the short of it is CKD one is the best. CKD five is 
the worst stage when it's time to start looking for transplant and dialysis. So as far as some general things to treat, first things first, you treat the underlying cause. If diabetes is the cause, then you correct the blood sugar. You know, if, if high blood pressure is the cause, then you go either go on pills or you can, there are some ways to lower blood pressure naturally. I have a video on that too, how to lower blood pressure naturally, but you get the blood pressure down. So it's the underlying cause you treat. If it's the lupus, you, you fight those antibodies, you treat the lupus. But just in general, there are some lifestyle changes that can be made to help to slow the progression of kidney disease. One, drinking water. Dehydration <laughs> or free renal azotemia. It's, it sounds, it sounds, it's funny because it's, it's, it's simple, so simple, <laughs> but it's, it's like a lot of people not drinking water. So that, that's why that's why I'm laughing. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but because, because here's the thing you think, okay, I drink when I'm thirsty, so I'm cool. But by the time you are thirsty, by the time you have the sensation of thirst, you're already dehydrated. Your kidneys are dehydrated. Mm. So imagine if you're somebody who only drinks when you're thirsty and you drink maybe like one of these 16 ounce bottles of water. Okay, let me drink some water real quick. Mm. If you're just drinking one of those or two of those a day, mm. then you're already behind. So then let's just say most people should be drinking anywhere from like two to three liters of water. So if you think about the six, is, is that per day? Like going per day, per day. And it's going to, <laughs> I, I know someone's going to ask me like, is that like very like, okay. That's, that's every day. And, and, and you know, and, and they need to consult their physicians to find out what's right for them. Because like, if they have heart failure, they'll need to drink less. Sure. Kid, if they have lung disease, they can't drink that much water. If they're, if it's a person who exercises a lot, they'll need to drink more water. Mm-hmm. But just the rule of thumb, if you think about the 16 ounce bottles of water, for most people, drinking anywhere from four to six of those a day will keep you well hydrated and keep the kidneys hydrated. Now, say you're a person listening and you're just like, ooh, I might drink one bottle of water a day, or maybe I drink two bottles of water. Well, guess what? On day one, now you're 50% behind on your water intake. Day two, you're further behind than that. Day three, so after a month, your kidneys are super dry. Mm. On top of that, you get a headache, you take some NSAIDs, you take some medications, or you get really, really sick, you get fever, your blood pressure drops. Well, now you can be in my dialysis unit. And it all started from dehydration. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage everyone to to consult the doctors, because, of course, you know, I'm giving general information here. Consult your doctor. But staying hydrated is a way that can reverse certain levels of kidney failure and certainly slow the progression. Now, Dr. Freed, I already know this question. They're going to say, does juice and soda count? I already know. I already know that's a question. I'm Your lunch and learn. Let me tell you all something, lunch and learn community. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I'm talking about why. I'm not talking about coffee, juice, Gatorade, but but I will say, I'm not saying that you can't have those things, but they don't replace the water. So let's talk coffee. You know, you can have your cup or two uh, of coffee a day, but what does coffee have in it? Caffeine and caffeine acts like a water pill or diuretic. And so the more caffeine you drink, the more you urinate out. And so you might actually be reversing the process if you're drinking you know, four or five cups of coffee a day, but not drinking enough water. So not only are you not drinking water, but because that caffeine is acting like a water pill, you're urinating out the water you don't have. What does that do? It dehydrates your kidneys and it can set you up for kidney failure. And same in juice, you know, that has, most juices have a lot of sugar. So you certainly can have juice, more natural juices, preferably cranberry juice in, in some cases to kind of help to to decrease the likelihood of having certain urinary tract infections. So yes, you can have your cranberry juice, soda, 
I don't love soda, especially, well, I'm sorry. I don't love for patients to drink sodas, but especially like dark sodas. (laughs) Look, I'm in, yeah, I'm in Atlanta. You know, if you don't like Coca-Cola, then they might not even let you live in Atlanta. Uh But um, everything in moderation, I'm not saying can't, but if you're sitting up here drinking a six pack of of, of cola a day and saying, oh yeah, I'm hydrated. No, because these sodas, again, have caffeine. Even the decaffeinated ones may have some caffeine, which can make you be dehydrated. They have high salt content, not to mention phosphorus, artificial colors, all of those things. Now, if you're going to drink something like a, a maybe a lemon lime, sugar-free, something like that, or even a sparkling, get some sparkling water, add a little bit of a flavoring to it. There's certain things that you can do. Um, but bottom line, it's water that you should be drinking. I'm not saying no, no, no for the other things, but really in moderation, the bulk of your your fluid intake should be water. And, and, and of course the ultimate, right. The ultimate end course. Right. And we touched a little bit on it uh, kind of throughout the discussion, right. When it gets to the point when we're talking dialysis, kidney transplant, like, like obviously, cause obviously you take care of, you know, both spectrums. Like what, what are some of your, what, what, what are some of the, the ways where you're like, yeah, you're probably going to need a transplant or now you probably just need to go on dialysis. Like what, what's, what's, especially in your, your standpoint, like what's some of the thought process that go that kind of help select patients to go one way or the other. So you are hitting on something so deep right now because the decision on whether a patient goes on one or the other can sometimes really open up that healthcare disparity gap, that health inequity. Uh Oh, so let me tell you, let me tell you, I recommend that just about all my patients, when they get to that CKD stage four, right before that last stage, I send them to be evaluated by the transplant clinic. I've, I've transplanted 80 three-year-olds before, had them transplanted. I've had patients who have been cancer survivors be transplanted. HIV patients transplanted. And so I don't play the know-it-all decision maker when it comes to someone's life. I encourage them to be seen by the transplant centers because the transplant centers have it down to a literal science where they will break it down. They screen you for, you know, if you're likely to do well on the medicines, they screen you psychologically. If you can kind of handle having a kidney transplant. They make sure you're healthy enough. They make sure your donor is healthy enough. And it's such a tight process that if you are not a good candidate, the transplant center will tell you that. I find that when doctors decide that, oh, this person is not a good candidate, we have seen that with implicit bias, they more tell Blacks and people of color that they're not good candidates Uh than whites. And there's there's so many layers to that. Because let's just say, if, if I have a patient who is maybe somebody who has missed some appointments, they don't show up to all the appointments, or maybe they come in, their blood pressure is high and so forth and so on. I might be like, oh, that patient's non-compliant. But let's peel back the layers. If it's someone who works a nine to five and they're not at a high up position where they can just take off, then they might have good intentions and make an appointment, but they might be told, hey, you miss work again, we're writing you up. So guess what? Now they look non-compliant because they're not at appointments. If I have a patient and I have had patients who come in with sky high blood pressure. I had this one lady come in. I'm like, your pressure is high. What, are you, what have you been doing? What have you been eating? And she's like, I've been eating bread. I've been eating salami, sodas. I'm, I told you don't eat all that stuff. Why are you eating that? She said, because it's the end of the month. 
my food stamps, my EBT, they've run out. But with the five dollars I have, I can get a loaf of bread and some salami to feed myself and my kids until my food stamps come in. So guess what? Now she looks, quote unquote, non-compliant, non-compliant with her diet. But it is a disparity, social economic disparity issue. And so I'm bringing up these points to say some people will say, well, if it's a non-compliant patient, then they're not a transplant candidate. But what I say that the burden is on us, the healthcare providers and the community at large, we need to go through and make sure that we narrow the gap, that we help to decrease some of these disparities. And so that these quote unquote non-compliant patients aren't being denied transplants just because of a situation that's beyond their control. Yeah. So, um, but, but on the technical level, there are certain things, you know, if you have a really bad heart, uh, if you have heart failure and, you know, can't live through the surgery, there are certain things that will keep you from going on the transplant list. But my goal is for everyone to see their nephrologist. And if they even think they might be a candidate, get referred and let the transplant team do its work. Because if you get a transplant that will give you a better quality of life than dialysis and a longer life than dialysis alone. alone. And so I want folks to be organ donors and to really be transplant recipients for the kidney. I love it. Dr. Frieda, this has been such an amazing conversation. Like I said, in the lunch line community, I love when, you know, I bring guests with their expertise uh, to really kind of educate us and really get us like on our mindset. Like I said, I'm thinking now you know, of the last time, again, I'm working in a hospital, but, you know, I take care of a lot of patients who I see and like I brush off that they're in stage three and stage four. And I don't even think about like, oh, I wonder if it's seeing like uh, a nephrologist. So like now I know I'm myself, I'm going to arm in my armamentarium when I start seeing these numbers like, hey, you know what? You probably should see a kidney doctor when, you know, when you get out of this hospital, of course, because I, I don't want to see you down the line. And all of a sudden we're talking about dialysis, dialysis and not having a conversation like, like I said, like the fact that I've, I've never had the conversation even say like, maybe we should refer you to a, a transplant evaluation first. And I've always been like, oh, maybe let me just send you to, and that's probably the internist hospitalist in me. Um, so again, like I said, I love these kind of peeling back the layers and really educating us. So again, Dr. Freya, thank you for that. Uh, you know, first and foremost, and I know the lunch and learning community is loving uh, this conversation because you've been dropping gems pretty much this whole time. So de- definitely appreciative of that. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed myself. We, we spent about just as much time on the, the real deal, the the, the equity, <laughs> because it, it kind of all goes back to that, doesn't it? Yes. It all goes back to that with every healthcare system you have, every specialist you have. We have to always put a, a magnifying glass on on the healthcare disparities because if we don't talk about it. We're not going to overcome it. Ooh, let's talk about it. So before before I let you go, right? Before I let you go, and I, I and and like I said, I, I bragged on you on an in introduction, but like you know, t- tell lunch learning community anyone who's listening, like you know, how can they get more, Doctor Frida? Like where can they like where can they watch you? Where can they hear you? Um, again, I've been I, I've been following you. I'm I'm a clubhouser. I'm a Instagram like so in YouTube. Like so like just let 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 the people know again. Member lunch learning community, all these links that she'll throw out will definitely be in the show notes, so you don't have to write them down especially if you're in the shower um they'll be in the show notes for you to be able to access her directly but like let's tell people you know where, where can they where can they find you what what are you doing right you know what can they what can they help you with any books or any, whatever you want it's, okay. it's your time all right so if you want to hear more of me getting on my soapbox and talking about some health care 
my YouTube channel, that Dr. Dot Frida, D-R-F-R-I-T, as in take care of yourself, A, that's where I talk about all kinds of issues, be it high blood pressure, kidney disease, high cholesterol, panic attacks, stress during the pandemic. I talk about all of it, and that's a great way to listen. Also on Instagram, also at Dr. Dot Frida on Instagram, that's when I, that's where I go. Well, I just talk about things in my, my everyday life, or sometimes when quick, quick health news will come up, I'll put it on my IGTV. And when I'm doing medical expert appearances, like on HLN or 11 Alive or on, on the BNC, when I'm doing appearances there, I'll put it on my Instagram as well as Facebook, Twitter. And all of those are at Dr. Dot Frida. And you said it, Clubhouse, that's like my new obsession. Oh, I, love I love Clubhouse. And so if you follow me, Dr. Dot Frida, then if you put to follow me for the notifications always, then when I'm popping into different rooms talking about health care or talking about COVID or talking about some random things sometimes, then that's a way you can always find me. And I'm happy to put my two cents in just about everywhere I go. But yes, but I really enjoyed this conversation with you. I love this platform. Yes, yes. No, that's a go. That's it. Again, I'm I'm our first podcast uh interview, which is very like you said, very odd because I'm like, why she ain't do a podcast? Like so that definitely, you know, thank you. Like I said, you've been amazing. Uh because again it's 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 one of those it's it's one of these topics that Again, you know, it gets it gets in the month of March, right? You know, people are kind of like, oh, kidding me. All right. And then they kind of like, they on to April, right? Like, no, 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 no. Like, we need to be thinking about the kidneys 24-7, 365. So uh, much appreciative of really everything that you're doing. Um, you know, we would, like I said, we're definitely going to follow in mass. We're definitely going to support in mass anything, you know, that you're on um, because we need voices like yourself who, are ready to educate us on all fronts. Like you guys, you heard the topics that she talked about. She it's not just the kidneys, even though she can, she can definitely talk about that all day and every day. Um, but you know, just this wide range of topics that she helps, you know, grace and, you know, give, gives her, you know, level of expertise that was, and that's what we love uh, here in the lunch learning community, especially when we're trying to kind of power ourselves to get our health together. Yeah. And, and I just, I want to reiterate even folks who are like, Oh, I make good urine. I'm fine. Talk to your doctor, find out about that creatinine, that EGFR, and talk to your family members, especially ones who have diabetes or high blood pressure, or if they are obese and they're at risk for the diabetes, high blood pressure, guess what? That obesity also puts them at risk for kidney disease. And so if it's a private family member, you might get told off, but is 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 worth taking the chance to ask them, hey, have you been to your doctor? Hey, you know, uh, high sugar and high blood pressure can put you on the dialysis machine. So when you get this knowledge, don't keep it to yourself. Spread it, spread it to help our entire community. Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is your truly Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my undying thanks to you for your support. Just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode. Hope you were empowered by today's episode. Please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode and if you have not already done so subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review especially on apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review leave a review there because your support is so 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 valuable for what we're doing here on the lynch learn and everything with pierre medical consulting and if you have not done so go ahead and join the listserv to join the listserv it's very easy just grab your phone right now i'll pause Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all going to be one word Lunch Learn Pod 
888-242-4422. And you'll be on the listserv. You'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out. You'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because I usually tell my listserv members, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on. Thanks, guys. You have a blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week.